Hello and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. Gentlemen, how are we doing uh, today? Connor, how are we doing? I'll start with you. Uh, good. Just preparing for the cold here for a couple of days before I, I jet off to Mexico. Very excited to get out of here um, and very sorry for you guys because it looks like the Christmas Eve right now, low of zero degrees with the wind chill feels like negative 11. So uh, not great. Daigle, are you excited you moved here? Unreal. And I can't make it home for the holidays, so I'm literally going to be stuffed indoors on my own Christmas Eve and Christmas. I guess watching football, even though that doesn't sound friendly either right now. You got out for a run the other day, though, so that's good. Probably don't have many of those in the bag in the next, uh, let's say, six weeks. Whenever know. I lived with Silva, I would still go running. I was telling Connor in single digits. That's that's not a big deal to me. You know, you get the buff. You get your little snow spikes that I have for running shoes. Like, you can take care of it all. It's just a nuisance because your lungs also collapse in 30 seconds. Well, set and hopefully uh, is it strange with the, obviously the way that the weekend's fallen with uh, holidays and people traveling and stuff. It's going to be uh, an interesting weekend of football coming off of a really wild week 15. It's so many strange outcomes, bizarre things we've never seen before. Things that I just can't even wrap my brain around um, as someone who is you know, recently separated a little bit from the laundry that they used to really passionately cheer for. Um, you know, but man, my Patriots found a unique way to lose, uh, last week. We'll talk about that later in the show, but, uh, they're going to do our best here to, uh, every Wednesday, a little early today, uh, typically seven 30 Eastern. Um, I have full on dad duties tonight. Uh, so the gentlemen have been kind enough to move it up for me, but, uh, we want to talk about the favorite games on the board and take your questions. If you're hanging out with us on YouTube, we really appreciate that. Uh, subscribe so you don't miss a show. Lots of other great content here on the 444 YouTube channel. And smash that like button goes a long way in helping us as well. Uh, and jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite week 16 look is, side or total. Uh, we also remind folks if you're looking on the prop side, uh, we have two episodes of Move the Line each week, both available here on YouTube and then obviously in podcast form as well, wherever you consume those podcasts. Uh, Move the Line prop drop live 2 p.m. Eastern every Friday with Pat Mayo, Connor, and myself. Um, again, lots of other great content on the four for four bets YouTube channel as well. It's a new channel, unique content there too, daily, uh, different shorts and different stuff there. So definitely check out that page if you haven't as well. I uh, also want to remind folks, we are near the end of the season, uh, and our four for four betting subscription reflects that, which makes sense. Maybe your fantasy playoff season is over. You're looking to have a weekend sweat. The four for four betting sub is the place to go. Uh, you are massively discounted currently. It's going to take you through the end of February, get you access to every sport article. Uh, the four for four subscriber discord, I think is really the crown jewel of it all. You get all of the official bets pushed through there as well. I just think is the best way to get that. Cause oftentimes some of those bets move fairly quickly. Uh, you're going to want to get notifications for those promo code. Next level is going to get you an additional 25% off of what's already discounted on the site. If you're still grinding DFS Daigle, TJ, they're still providing all that DFS content. Again, literally everything on the 444 site uh, is under the uh, scope of the betting sub. So 444.com slash plans, promo code next level. Um, some good ones, gents. So it looks like we'll talk Thursday night football here at the top. And then our favorite six pack of the week. Uh, we'll start with the Thursday nighter, Jacksonville and the Jets. This one's been a little bit all over the place. Looks like it's settled for the most part right now. It's going to be minus one and a half on the Jets. Totals down to 36, pretty low total here. 
Uh, both clubs are on the outside looking in right now in terms of the AFC playoff picture. This is essentially a loser leaves town matchup too. Uh, Jacksonville has a path to the AFC South crown, depending on what happens with Tennessee down the stretch, but it gets a lot harder if they lose this one. Zach Wilson still at the helm for the Jets. Shockingly, was not very good last week against the Lions, but was less awful than he has been. So that is perhaps something, Dagel, that you get started with Jacksonville and the Jets. And the, although Zach Wilson himself fa- played fairly bad last week, uh, the fact is, like, on that Lions defense, they still averaged over five yards per play, the Jets did, and nine yards per attempt from Wilson. And it's a very similar matchup here against the Jaguars, who continue since week nine, since Trevor Lawrence basically started being able to match teams point for point. That's put more volume and plays on the Jacksonville defense, which remains one of the worst in the league. Fourth most points per game, 28.3, and 282 passing yards per week since week nine. So overall, I still think it's actually a favorable matchup for the Jets offense here. Uh, And so given the short week for Trevor Lawrence, left tackle Cam Robinson also now done for the year, I do lean towards the Jets, and that's more of a bet on Zonvin Knight more than anything in a good spot. Interesting take there. Uh, Yeah, I think the Cam Robinson thing is definitely noteworthy. Connor, where are you at with uh, Jacksonville and the Jets? Yeah, I I would probably lean towards the Jets here, but I don't have enough faith in them in Zach Wilson because he's been like we saw a little bit there in the beginning of the game where we thought, okay, well, this could be okay, and he's playing well. And then he just threw that horrible interception. I mean, just like one of the worst you'll see pretty much all year. Um, and so I worry about that kind of stuff, like you know, tilting that in the favor of Jacksonville. Obviously, those kinds of turnovers are killer. Um, but you know, the upside continues to be there. He did make a nice throw there to uh, you know, the tight end, uh, down, you know, eventually, which was good, but generally here in this spot, I'm a little bit worried because, you know, the weather isn't necessarily supposed to be game changing, but we're looking at, you know, low forties rain starting in the early afternoon, but getting really heavy throughout the entire game and then 12 to 15 mile per hour winds, uh, early and then increasing as the game goes on. So it's just in general, kind of like a gross game here. And then uh, I think the Jets secondary matches up fairly well against Zay Jones, matches up well against Marvin Jones. Christian Kirk will likely play in the slot. So because of that, I know it's not a prop show, but my my main look for this was I took Zay Jones under 51 and a half receiving yards uh, there. But I think that like if there was no weather and, and Mike White was here, I think this is an entirely different game because if you have the Jets pushing the Jags, like I think the Jags are able to keep up here, but I'm just not really sure with Zach Wilson that they like push the Jags at all uh, in this spot. So I, I lean towards the under as well here uh, on the game total too. Yeah. 36, 36 and a half looks like the best look if you're looking to get under. So we typically see FanDuel a little bit off market there. Uh, Caesars, DraftKings out at 36. I will say that, you know, at least we'd like to see the aggressiveness from Zach Wilson, like 14 and a half dot last week. Just impossible to trust. I mean, always, basically always a negative uh, completion percentage over expectation. Um, yeah, it's an interesting matchup. I don't have a, a huge lean. I just think that maybe I think the Jets are probably the better football team. I think that the Jags are better equipped. And I just I'm, in this spot, it's really hard to not back the quarterback position. And Trevor Lawrence, I feel like, is ascending. Warriors, I think we know what Zach Wilson is, but you know, Daigle pointed out that Jacksonville defense is pretty bad. The one thing that they do well, uh, first of all, it's the worst red zone defense in the league. 
which is obviously uh, obviously a problem. Um, the one thing they do well defensively is stopping the run on first down. And the Jets continue, especially with Zach Wilson under center, lean run heavy on early downs. So that could put them in a spot where they are forced to be a little bit more clear on what they want to do and maybe set up Jacksonville to have a little bit more advantageous uh, looks defensively, knowing that they're in passing situations, knowing that Wilson is going to be inaccurate when he does that. Um, so I'd probably lead Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's an interesting teaser leg uh, with where they're at right now because you can tease them at one and a half. Uh, Six-point teasers taking you through the three and through the seven if you had anything that you really liked on Saturday or Sunday. There's, I think, a handful of, uh, of viable options. So I think that would probably be my best way to play it if I wanted to get down. I just have a really hard time having money on Zach Wilson and the game starts. And I'm like, why in the hell would I do this? Like, I just feel that would be what would happen. So uh, in this instance, we're, we're talking about the game. Remember, you don't have to bet on everything. Uh, there are prop ways. Uh, you know, Connor Zay Jones look is a good way to get down some action on it. Uh, you don't have to bet every side. If, if the weather doesn't end up being bad, I think Christian Kirk overs are an interesting look kind of attacking the jets out of the slot could be, uh, you know, avoiding DJ Reed and sauce Gardner. I don't know. Daigle, any, any other thoughts if the weather is not like atrocious, which I'm it's looking like it is. I'm going to be heavy on Zonvin Knight overs. Uh, Knight's share of backfield touches increased last week in a game he was injured in. So assuming he's fully healthy since he was removed from the injury report as early as Tuesday, I think it's bell cow usage for Zonvin Knight. They don't want anything to do with Michael Carter. I like that. That's a that's a good look. And it, it's like the Jags defense right now, I mean, dead last in pass defense. They're DVOA, so but like they're still not good at run defense either. You know, like, I mean, obviously outside of, you know, early downs, but like I think they're 14th or 15th in run DVOA. So it's definitely not nothing that we like need to avoid or anything. I, I think it's another honestly empty box score for Zach Wilson in that I do think he has a lot of success in terms of production, but it's also going to be the last start we see him make for the Jets in his career. After he bought all of his offensive linemen, those little like uh, whatever, what were those mopeds or whatever yeah. they were? We are we are definitely done with Zach Wilson after this week. <laughs> I know. I by the way, I want to talk about that real quick. Like, I feel like that's a good gesture, but like, do you really think like four hundred pound guys want to be riding like little mopeds? Like, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I misread the situation. I just don't think that's like a, an appropriate gift. Would you rather have that or the Jalen Hurts Louis Vuitton bags? <laughs> Give me the bags, bro. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's uh, I don't know. Maybe. I Kyler Murray did it right. Kyler Murray went with a custom golf bag and clubs for the holidays. Yeah, that's that's better. I mean, there's just so many other things you can get them. Like, why did you get them those? Like, it's not like Europe, you know. I don't know. It's strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's New York City. Like, you want to be this big old 300 pound dude on a on a moped, you know, knocking around uh, Times Square. Yeah. Interesting, interesting sight. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna move over to uh, one of the Sunday games. Uh, Green Bay, <clears throat> excuse me, Green Bay's in Miami. This is, uh, what is this, noon on Sunday? Or actually, yeah, the first game on Sunday. Uh, Miami is uh, three and a half to four point favorite, depending on your book. A total out there between 48 and a half and 49 and a half. So you want to shop that one around if you're looking to uh, to get down. Obviously, we talked already about some weather issues. It's kind of a weather slate. Uh, we can talk about the degrees in which that should be you know, impacting handicaps or stuff like that. But of all the weather issues across the league, the Packers luck out. They head down to Miami, uh, probably, you know, it looks like mid fifties, uh, low sixties in Miami. So uh, definitely typically green Bay involved in, in mid late December weather. But uh, one area that they don't look out, look out here is in terms of rest. They're traveling on a short week. They played on Monday night. Miami has the extra day because they played on Saturday in Buffalo. Miami's loss. Against the Bills, put an end to their AFC East title hopes here. 
Big divisional matchup on the other side of this one, uh, but it won't really matter if they don't take care of business here. Packers are playing their best football of the season right now. They have an outside shot at getting into the dance as well, but they have to win out and get some help. Um, Connor, let you get started with Miami and uh, and uh, Green Bay. Yeah, it's interesting. Raheem Mostert, uh, I believe, did not practice or was like very limited today. Uh, and I think that that kind of matters because I think it gives Miami like a a massive out here on the ground. Uh, Packers right now worse in the league and run defense DVOA. Um, and like, you know, we saw Miami kind of get a little bit of their mojo back offensively against, uh, you know, Buffalo, you know, pretty solid defense there. But now I just feel like this would give them such a good opportunity to really get back on track, um, you know, really pounding it in between, you know, on the ground. Uh, and so if they have any like semblance of a healthy backfield there, I think that Miami kind of lays it on them here. I don't mind them at minus four, but on the other side, uh, I think it's worth noting, uh, you know, our friend Fabian Summer pointed out on Twitter, the Packers offense since week 10, third in offensive DVOA, um, and they've been playing a little bit better. They got Romeo Dobbs back, who, uh, I mean, they just plugged right in there and was playing really well. You know, Christian Watson has lit it up at times. Uh, you know, Alan Lazard's just kind of there, but, you know, he's a good, like, chain mover, I would say. So, like, things are starting to click for a Packers team that needs to win out. Uh, and Miami secondary is not particularly good. You know, 26th in pass DVOA. Um, 10th and run DDVOA. So like the issue is I think that they've run it even at in inopportunity times, like facing off against teams who are better against the run. Um, but I think if this gets into a little bit of track meet, if Miami pushes them a little bit, we'll see Rogers just kind of do the Brady version of like, you know, screw it, not going to run anymore. Let's just pass every play. And this game could be elevated here. So in a bad week, I think that this could be a pretty fun game. Uh, if the Packers can kind of keep pace here, because I expect Miami to do a decent amount of damage. I have all the confidence in the world in Miami's offense more than anything. After Tua led the league in depth to target against the Chargers with no success, we knew something was going to happen. We knew they were going to change it up. And they did with 30 pass attempts to 23 running back carries, those carries being their most in a game since their bye. And that, of course, led to five carries alone with for 10-plus yards as an explosive rushing team to go along with their big playability and scheming passes on the intermediate level of the field. So, yeah, given the fact that the Packers are one of four defenses in the league allowing over five yards per carry, I think it's going to be a huge week for Mostert and this offense overall. And it is just a, simply a question of if the Packers can keep around. I bet the Dolphins early in the week. I did not expect both team totals and the total overall to go up. But honestly, I still lean the Dolphins for that reason, for that matchup advantage, also for the rest advantage. Yeah, so it looks like what? Jeff Wilson didn't play last week. Questionable. I don't think he's practiced yet. Um, most of they were fine mixing in Selvin Ackman. He had some success in it too. I think if they just decide they want to run the football, I think they will find uh, a ton of success. And as, you know, Daigle, we talked briefly too offline. Like I think the rest advantage is massive too. And this one's shifted in Green Bay's favor. This was... Six, six and a half in look-aheads. Um, there have been some really sharp people, sharp people that we know that are really touting this like Green Bay down the stretch thing. Um, and I guess it doesn't really matter. It doesn't get off the ground if it doesn't happen here. But I just think this is a really tough spot for them to bounce back on a short week and go ahead and take care of business. So yeah, I, I think Miami at three and a half is, is a pretty interesting look. Um, that would definitely would be my lean. I haven't bet the game, but that would definitely be where I'm at too. And I think that most are proper, you know, Jeff Wilson, if you can get team total props um, around like Miami having some success running, kind of matching what Daigle's saying with the spike in team carries overall, I think could be a good look here as well. I think they have lots of success and I think it allows them to take the air out of the football a little bit too, because Connor mentioned too, like Green Bay is getting healthier. Like they haven't really had all of these guys at the same time, even a Randall Cobb, who 
again, is dusty, but like Rogers trusts him. He is definitely a chain mover in the slot. Like they just haven't had all these guys at the same time. And now they finally have all of it. Aaron uh, Jones looked fresh last week. So yeah, they definitely are maybe ascending, but I think it's going to be probably a little bit too late for the back. All right. We'll move on to uh, another surprisingly relevant uh, and another loser leaves town matchup here. Detroit is on the road in Carolina. Uh, looks like it is again, shop because this matters. It's two and a half um, Detroit side here, almost everywhere. DraftKings is out to a full three, uh, 43 and a half. 44 is the total depending on your book. Um, no one wants to win the NFC South. Uh, and right now no one's eliminated. So there's a path for each of the four teams to actually win this division. Uh, big games for the Panthers are still to come road games in Tampa and new Orleans, but they technically control their own destiny. If they can win this week, they could still take care of business regardless if they handle those divisional games, but uh, it gets a lot easier if they don't need as much help, if they can get this win against Detroit. Um, under Steve Wilkes, they started to play better defensively. They are running the football well, and Sam Darnold has actually been good enough. Um, not really from a fantasy perspective or anything that we would want to you know, attack that way, but his completion percentage over expectation is like positive 7%. He's not turning the ball over. That's obviously been a massive issue for him in the past. So, they definitely have something going here a little bit right now. Lions obviously continue to roll as well. Last week's win on the road in the elements against a tough Jets defense was, I think, encouraging for anyone who's backing the Lions. Um, Dave, I'll let you get started with this matchup. I think this is one of the games where weather is being severely overrated since it's simply cold, like Miami and Buffalo. Winds, rain, nothing worrisome here. And if that's the case... Uh, it led me to bet the over for better or worse on Monday. And I've probably even got the worst number since I think the total is still sinking, but I'm still confident in the over because we've seen now, well, first of all, Connor has the offensive stats. I saw him tweet it earlier. So I'll, I'll leave the Lions offense to him, but for the Panthers, we can just look most relevantly to last week against Zach Wilson. I already mentioned it, nine yards per attempt, only 17 points allowed, but they had no issues the Jets did moving the ball whatsoever through the air. And that's what we're seeing now. No player has rushed for over 75 yards against the Lions since their bye, but that's forcing opponents through the air for 37 pass attempts per game. So I think we're going to get volume from the Panthers. And we all want more volume for... DJ Moore, for example, just one of them, Terrace Marshall as well, against this Lions defense that literally allows everyone, no matter how bad you are, you can be an average quarterback against the Lions. And just the fact that we also saw last week against the Steelers, whenever they went down 21-7 to over the next 20-25 minutes, the Panthers and Steve Wilkes called a 76% pass play rate. They won't run the ball in negative game script like Arthur Smith. They will turn it up if someone's scoring on them. And so I think we get a little push here from the Panthers, honestly. So I do like the over in this matchup. It's interesting. I do think that there probably is a weather uh, overrate here, uh, though we do know that there has been some stuff historically. Maybe he kind of like moved past the last week, Connor, with Jared Goff out in the cold, because it does look cold, especially for you know North Carolina this time of year. But what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I thought he played fine, but I guess in retrospect with that matchup, like looking against the Jets, like their perimeter corners are great, but they're susceptible like in the middle over the slot. And that's where Jared Goff likes to throw the ball. You know, Amon Ra likes to throw the ball over the middle. Makes a ton of sense. So why that went over? So, yeah. What? 
yeah, he had a five yard eight yard. So I mean, like, yeah, right, exactly. And so, and then beyond that, he had like a fifty-one yard, perfectly dialed up uh, touchdown to Brock Wright. Uh, you know, to end the game there and a game-winning touchdown. You know, prior to that, whatever, thirteen points. Like, I think that they were fine. It was definitely better than I expected, to be honest. But it was not great. Now, at this point, like, I would agree, it's nothing like ninety-five percent of quarterbacks, any quarterbacks. This shouldn't matter, right? You know, we're looking at temperatures in the 20s, 11 mile per hour winds, making it feel like it's in the teens. Um, but this is, again, probably one of the coldest games that Jared Goff has ever played in. I'm worried because I think that the Panthers are going to try and run the ball like a lot early on and then have minimal success. And I'm worried if the Lions don't push the Panthers and aren't able to have success offensively, this game is just an absolute snooze fest. So I lean towards the under. I get what Daigle's saying. And the Lions, as he had mentioned, during their 6-1 and one stretch since week nine, Lions offense ranks fourth in points per game, first in pass CPA per play, first in drive success rate. Uh, so they have been crushing. It's just one of those things that it feels like we just got an under last game and another another spot here where the Panthers defense is not good. Don't get me wrong, but it could be a little bit of a letdown spot for me for the Lions offense here. Um, maybe I'm reading too much into it and having that underneath security blanket with Amon Ra and just like actual weapons is, uh, you know, good for him at this point in his career. But I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I think that 44 is a little bit high for this game. Not going to lie. Uh, bar tab. I'll take the over. You take the under. Let's do it. I'm done. Got it. I think a first half under is a really decent look here. Uh, we have some pretty drastic splits defensively from half to half, particularly Carolina, who has been awesome in the first half, like top five defensively in DVOA and bottom five in the second half. And we saw it again last week against the Steelers. So um, I think you both could be right. My lean would be maybe looking at a first half under. And then if you were encouraged about some of the underlying stuff that you've seen, maybe you can catch uh, an over on a live line at the half. But I think an under look might be uh, might be interesting. So what are you looking at? Like probably on the right side of 21. Right? 21 and a half, yeah. Yeah, could be an interesting look. So to unpack that a little bit more, but just my early look and research, I saw some pretty, I thought, noteworthy drastic splits. I think some of that could be noisy, but again, when we, we've talked about anything statistically at this point in the season, we have 15 weeks of data. It's football. We're always going to have small sample sizes, but we have enough where I feel like on the tails of some of these things, I think there's a little bit of statistical relevance to it as far as how teams come out in script, how they come out first half defensively. I think some of those things matter. So um, could be worth a, a time table where you can maybe get a better number and, and double down live on uh, on an over at the half. I see 44, the universal number. Are you seeing that or 44 and a half? I'm seeing 44. 43 okay. and a half at FanDuel? Um, I mean, we can we can stick with 44. But let's let's middle the numbers. All right, let's roll. We'll roll with that. Um, sounds good. Bar bet. Love it. All right, next uh, we have a matchup in New England. Cincinnati is in Foxborough. Uh, let's see where we're at. This one's uh, been bet into a little bit. Looks like we're at. we've for the most part threes. Uh, FanDuel still at three and a half on the uh, the Bengals side. There, let's see where our total has moved to. Uh, we're at forty one and a half, basically across the board, which is interesting. Uh, again, absolutely insane way to lose a football game last week. That will ensure that the Patriots do not make the playoffs, which is really fitting considering considering how the playoffs and the season has kind of played out. Uh, I don't think any of us want even, again, I don't think we want to watch New England in the playoffs. So I think this works out fine. We'll have some uh, hopefully better football teams. At least the Chargers can find a unique way to lose in the playoffs, and they'll do it uh, with a little bit more exciting forward pass uh, type of offense than what New England has currently. It's just been an absolute mess. Bengals. 
Went to Tampa last week, won their six straight, spotted the Bucks 17, and it didn't matter. They did not look good doing so. Um, but with the win there and the Ravens lost to the Browns on Saturday, it gave the Bengals a one-game lead in the AFC North. Baltimore won the first head-to-head matchup against the Bengals. Uh, the other game is slated for Week 18, so that'll matter to solidify that. But uh, again, Cincinnati just continues to roll in the back half of their schedule, which is pretty hard. But uh, this one is uh, I'm interested to see the movement again. This was getting up to four, and it's bounced back New England's way. I get it from a situational standpoint, Connor, but I'll let you start with this one. Yeah, I go back and forth on this one. I, I mean, this is notable too because it's another freezing game. 17 degrees, 15 mile per hour winds, supposed to make it feel like three degrees. Um, and I don't really think that like we, so I think it's important to talk about this like probably now with so many games impacting weather. I talked with Paul, so I talked with Chris Allen. Um, like cold temperatures don't necessarily matter for totals, but I think it does matter. And something that they found statistically to be true is that teams tend to run the ball when it's colder a little bit more. So I think, and in this, in this week, particularly, I think that matters in certain situational spots because there are certain spots like this one specifically, where I think it would be very advantageous for the Bengals to go really pass heavy and like light up a secondary that has proven to be massively overrated and that can't hang with anyone good. Um, but the issue is it's going to be three degrees and it's Zach Taylor. Like I'm fully expecting them to line up under center and hand the ball off as much as possible. And so that's what concerns me about laying it with the three of the Bengals. But I do think that there's a path here where they win because um, the Patriots have been really good against running backs in Cincinnati on the other side has been with DJ reader back. Fantastic on the, as well on the ground. So like I almost want to lean under, but the total is already 41 and a half. And if the Bengals do go past heavy, I mean, they could score, you know, 35 themselves. So like, it's really one of those things that maybe it's best to wait. Maybe it's best to live bet it. Um, personally, I still lean towards Cincinnati at three, but uh, I think live betting is probably the way to go for me. And it's not a significant movement considering the total opened at 42 and it's only 41 and a half, as you said. I'm not too worried about it. And we're back to the splits we've seen the past with the Patriots and that when they play above average quarterbacks, the Patriots defense becomes a below average unit against Tua, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and Kirk Cousins, they allowed 28 points and 5.9 yards per play. Just couldn't stop anything and don't matter at all. Whereas when they get to play Zach Wilson twice, Sam Ellinger, Mitch Trubisky, the list goes on and on, that's when they're a top five defense. So it's another situation where honestly, if Zach Taylor, who's always the caveat in every single thing with the Bengals, like lets them throw it, they put up 35 points in this game. That's why I think it's a really good DFS game. And Honestly, like the Bengals should cover, but will they cover? I really don't know. Having said that, I still lean the Bengals laying the line. Yeah, as I mentioned, the situational spot too. We have, you know, New England catching Cincy on back to back road games again, um, a little bit late in the season. This can kind of add up. Just New England, I don't know in any scenario that they have the offense to hang. It's the worst red zone offense in the league. I just don't think they have the firepower to hang with any iteration of Zach Taylor's offense. And I don't think they have enough to slow down Chase even when they want to try and do so. Um, I feel like Derek Carr slowed down Devontae Adams more last week than than anything. So, yeah, I, I think the Bengals at three I think is probably the right look. Um, I just – I don't have – I just think Cincinnati is a legit contender, and I genuinely don't believe that New England's a playoff team. And in that scenario, I don't want to get too nitty-gritty. I think three is probably the right – uh, the right number to hammer on the Bengals here. So I'm with you. Like, I think the cold matters. I kind of agree that I think there could be some upside in DFS here. 
Um, I think props might be something that we see take a hit to this week, Connor, where people are reluctant to get into some of this stuff because they're concerned about the weather. Maybe stuff opens up at a median number where it would typically be, and there's some buyback based off of reaction to cold. And maybe we see some opportunities to get in on some overs uh, on some elite players, which I know is not your cup of tea. I also like hearing that we think running is going to happen more because that tells me we could probably hammer some linebackers uh, in the tackle streets. So going to find ways to utilize this information, this fear of the weather and stuff, and hopefully we can all make some money. I luckily got limited on Jack Sanborn last week. Otherwise, I was texting Connor trying to get as much as humanly possible down. And then, of course, he's well on his way to doubling the mark, and he got injured. Goodbye, Sweet Prince. Uh, IR for the season for Jack Sanborn. So I will say... One game I get in on the tackle props. I will say this for the people that are new to the tackle information. We do more of this on Friday uh, for our prop show because it is more prop specific. Oftentimes on the prop show, it is speculative based off of projections and matchup data because we don't always have information. New England is one of the biggest scorekeeper splits that's out there. They are very stingy to the road team, but they are very generous giving assists out to their own players. So Jawan Bentley uh, is a look that we're probably going to have in the tackle streets. It's the only New England linebacker that even really touches 85 to 90% of the snaps. We'll be looking for Jawan Bentley, uh, and hopefully Zach Taylor uh, agrees and sends Joe Mixon his way a uh, solid 20, 25 times. So look for that on Friday on the prop show. The, the Patriots trying to tr- cheat. Never would have saw it coming. <laughs> it's actually fair. Stuffing the stats for their own guys is totally, totally what they're doing here. So you actually think that Belichick would want them to not do that so that when they have they get to like arbitration or they get to like the negotiating table, he'd be like, you only had 60 tackles. He's like, yeah, because you guys don't give any assists. It's just a solo tackle. So you'd actually think, you know, ninja style, he'd do it the other way. But all right. Giants on the road in Minnesota is our next one here. Uh, let's see what our prices are at, our lines are at for this one. Uh, where are we? Am I not seeing it? Oh, here we go. Four and a half. I'll actually shop it because we're, we're all over. Fandle's at three and a half. Uh, Caesar's at four. Uh, four and a half on DraftKings. So, uh, again, you're kicking around you know, over three and between seven, but I think a little bit can, that can matter. Uh, 48 is basically the total across the board, 47 and a half on FanDuel. If you want to look at there, uh, both clubs coming off of pretty unique and surprising week 15 wins. Uh, and this could be a preview of a first round matchup, which is interesting. Uh, both teams comfortably in the playoffs as of now, which is crazy considering the giants injuries and the roster that they've dealt with all season long. They can officially clinch a playoff berth here with a win and losses by uh, two of the Commanders, Lions, and Seahawks, which is reasonable. Commanders are in San Francisco. Seahawks are in Kansas City. Uh, so we could definitely lock that up here, which is, again, wild. They can even lose this game, and they still have a 71% chance of making the playoffs, according to 538's playoff projection model. So uh, clearly, Minnesota on the other side, one of the worst, if not the worst, 11-3 and team of all time, and a clear sell come playoff time. Um and this spot sets up well for them, though. They're catching New York on the second leg of a back-to-back. Slight rest advantage as well, playing on a Saturday afternoon versus Sunday night for the Giants, and then they're traveling again. Connor, let you get started with this one. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting spot because, like, we look at like when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, this is like this is a great play on the Vikings here because they're getting a Giants team that really struggles, you know, against the run, especially on early downs. They're able to lean on that uh, specifically, but then. You know, I kind of dug in a little bit deeper and 
I looked at, okay, well, he's matching against the Giants. The Giants love to do a few things. They play man coverage at the highest rate in the league. They blitz at the highest rate in the league, and they get pressure at the sixth highest rate in the league. These are three things that Kirk Cousins plays horribly against. And so, you know, we kind of look at, like, we we got beat on that a little bit with uh, the Patriots early in the season. But the key difference is that the Patriots don't blitz. They just get pressure up front, and, you know, they play a ton of man coverage, but their defense has been good enough to kind of hold that. And as we talked about, they're a little bit fraudulent. Now you're getting a Giants defense that does really all of those things well. And I think that this game is almost a little bit more similar to like Miami uh, rather than, you know, like uh, like New England. And so we saw against Miami where they blitzed his face off. They played a ton of man and he was fine, but he wasn't good. Um, and so I think in this spot here, I'm not saying I'm taking the Giants because I think the Vikings secondary is very beatable, but I do understand the movement from like, you know, four and a half, whatever it was to like three and a half at this point. So that's kind of my concern about this game for the Vikings. But I will say if they lean into the run and they go like extremely run heavy, like Dalvin Cook could absolutely smash and have take advantage of this to the point where they don't need Kirk Cousins to like throw for 300 yards. They just need him to like kind of manage the game. And I think that he can do that against the Giants team that still isn't necessarily good. They just kind of match up against some of his weaknesses. So, um, I go back and forth. I think there's a ton of props that I want to play in this game, uh, but there's nothing that I really love on a side of total perspective because the total seems about right. The spread seems about right. I'm certainly not laying, not taking the points with the Giants here, even though I think that might be the right side. I do admittedly worry about the fact the Vikings had to run, you know, 86 plays um, against the Colts this past week, and now are trying to turn around. Uh, yes, they're at home at least, but. Still, I mean, how many times have we cited that this year where 80 plays is kind of the threshold where we expect a drop-off immensely in both plays and performance following week? So, yes, you have to get pressure on Kirk Cousins. That's key here since even the Lions, like top five in man coverage just a couple weeks ago, and Kirk Cousins still spiked them for 420 passing yards. Lions also a heavy blitzing team, but against him only blitzed him on 23% of his dropbacks. He still averaged just three and a half yards per attempt because he's averaged just over five yards per attempt against the Blitz this year. So, sure, we know the Giants don't change up their defensive schemes. They are going to Blitz face off. It just comes down to getting pressure. So, I don't have a lean either way. Uh, it, I think it's a very volatile game. It would not shock me if it the total score went under 40. It would not shock me if it went over 60. So, I, I genuinely don't have a lean here. I have such a hard time handicapping the Giants, because I'm like, I never know how they get there. Like, how does it happen? Like, I don't even remember, like, Kayvon Thibodeau, like, great strip sack and all like they just they do these little things the timing of when they do it is is pretty wild it's just everything else like all the things that you look at like they're we talk a lot about early down success rate they're horrible defensively at early down success rate like week in and week out and they just kind of scrap it together on third downs they force you into some third and longs and they make plays and yeah it's just a really tough team to handicap i would love to fade both of these clubs uh, come playoff time, we're gonna have to bet on someone in the NFC playoffs. Uh, we, like we're gonna want to fade the NFC South winner as well, probably. Like we're gonna have to find some teams to bet on in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have a great feel. I think my initial lean was it's too short for Minnesota, but like it shows you the range of outcomes with the Vikings. It's really tough. Like Viking fans are gonna tell you they don't give two shits that they're the worst eleven and three team ever, or that they are always in one score games and they just come out on top. It's like you can't spot a Colts team with the like dusty Matt Ryan uh, losing Jonathan Taylor early in the game, spot them 30 points, 33 points. Uh, and then like have us have to take you seriously. Like we can't do that. 
you have to do things that are like look elite. And I know that the Giants are set to be in the playoffs, but like put your foot on their throat and show us that you belong and we have to take you seriously come playoffs. And I just don't know that they can do that. So I'm, I'm with Dangle. The, the spectrum here is is wide open. So Minnesota's also been a really good first half team. So maybe they get off early. That kind of would like buy into the situation stuff too around the Giants travel, short week, all those things. Like maybe a Minnesota lean in the first half, but I'm not taking any full game stuff here until I see a little bit of what's going on. I do dislike though how like the um, – like yes, the Vikings deserve credit for the comeback, but also it should be attributed more to Jeff Saturday being one of the league's worst coaches. I mean, this dunce, a 33-point quarter two weeks ago, followed by literally the NFL's largest comeback allowed in history. Uh, uh, they had 13 red zone plays – no, 15 red zone plays and ended up with three field goals to one touchdown – the Vikings, for instance, had two fewer red zone plays than the Colts, ended up with four touchdowns, no field goals. It's like the moment they got up by two scores, that's when Jeff Saturday started running Zach Moss on third and long, and you could see it in the second quarter too. They were giving up. They were like, we were, t- we will take these field goals, even though all they were doing was, was making a two-score game, a two-score game, a three-score game, a three-score game. Like they were literally trying to – to stay the same, have the same lead for every three possessions. It was wild. And so you could kind of see it coming from a mile away that the Vikings would definitely get a chance to record to record that win. But even then, you go back and look at now, they're still only an 11-win team is 26th in DVOA at Football Outsiders. Like, they are a joke. But they have 11 wins. So congrats on your first-round loss. Good job. They're middle of the pack to bottom. And, yeah, and everything. They're the worst like i think the like, team's dvoa like they don't have they don't do anything particularly well hey they're 11 and 3 yeah I, I just can't like i mean this colts team specifically i just can't get over I, I just can't get over that loss like they were playing not to lose not playing to win and that's like the biggest definition of what dago's saying like kicking field goals when you need to go for it like things that don't make a difference they just look good on the you're just padding your stats basically but you're not really making an impact to your win probability or any of that that actually matters so they're a joke. Um, and but I also do think that this Vikings team is really fraudulent. I mean, I don't the, the way that they got to that game was like it was like punt block, it was like you know, like picks, bad plays, like they were playing so poorly. The game plan was not good, it was just like a disaster in the first half. And some of it was luck, but some of it was just like really bad in general. And uh the fact that they willed themselves back for that was uh wild. I mean, I I had turned the game off at one point. I was just like, all right, time to go to the gym, you know whatever it's 36 zero. And then obviously started storming back and turned it back on. So I drove to my in-laws in the middle of it. Cause I was like, well, I feel like <laughs> this one's kind of in the bag. Um, and we survived an under four and a half tackle prop against 87 plays. So uh, that bodes well for you, Connor, and your uh, desire to chase unders on the tackle side. Cause uh, that was a, a sweat we didn't need, but you've bet like three unders, I think, and you're two, at least two for three right now. Right. I mean, you got to bet more. You had 10 unders. How did they do last week? You got it. Did you look at them or no? You had like 10. That you I haven't suggested. yet. We just you took one. week. And we hit. We not, We need to convert you more. More unders, the better. More. 21 and six the last three weeks chasing overs. So we're going to keep doing that. I so. know. I know. I know. You love your overs. And they're way more right. fun to root for. They're so much more fun to root for. Um, uh, uh, overs have to be better for linebackers as well, right? Like we say unders for the people taking hits. But what about the people giving hits? The injury odds have to decrease, right? So overs are I've probably one outside of Jack Sanborn, apparently. 
Well, outside <laughs> of the one time I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace. Yes. Yes. There's a lot. There's uh linebacker overs are, are fun because you can, sometimes we'll, we're cashing those in the first half and you're like, you know, it's, it's the best. So yeah, we'll get there. We have some uh, ready to go and ready to fire projections are in the bag this morning. We're ready to go for this week. All right. Uh, next Seattle on the road against Kansas city. This is moved everywhere to 10. There were nine and a half available for most of the week so far. 49 uh, is the total 40 and a half on handle to show get down here. Kansas city played with its food a little bit last week. It let the Texans hang around. Uh, still eventually, obviously they pulled away, secured their seventh consecutive AFC West crown uh, streak that the three of us all thought was coming to an end the season. Uh, we can erase the AFC West preview from the, uh, from the files here. But uh, again, here we are. Pat Mahomes, MVP favorites, Chiefs in contention for a first round bye. Yet again, uh, just nothing else seems to matter as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are there. Uh, this team is going to be uh, more than relevant. Uh, they lost a head to head meeting early in the season against Buffalo. So they will need to win out and get some help in order to get the first round bye. But this home game against Seattle is basically the toughest remaining matchup on their schedule. Bills have to travel to Cincinnati next week. So uh, top seed very much in play still for the Chiefs. Seattle on the other side stumbled a little bit as of late. Shorthanded here with Tyler Lockett set to miss some time after breaking his finger, Connor. Uh, give me your thoughts on Seattle getting 10 in Kansas City. Yeah, this was at nine earlier, uh, I think, today at one point. And so it looks like I got a little bit of movement there. And I think the 10's about right because – like, I think that Seattle's offense at full strength would have a decent amount of success here. Uh, but right now, just one in three out of their bye. Now I've been going on the road in Arrowhead. It's supposed to be six degrees, feel like negative 10 degrees at game time with wind chill of 10 to 11 mile per hour winds. I mean, again, just absolutely brutal. Like, this is like a horrible environment to play in. But if you're getting like normal weather, you know, the total right now sitting like 48, 49, like is way too low. I mean, if these teams will like shoot out like easily, um, if, if the weather was normal here, but I'm worried, like, I feel like Pete Carroll's going to go in there, jam the ball until they're down 21. And, uh, I mean, maybe the chiefs just don't step on the gas pedal, you know, if they get up. And so that's my only concern with this game, which is like crazy that like the weather matters at all here. But like, I mean, negative 10 degrees is just like so insane. It's hard to fathom. Like I, it, it has to make an impact on the coaching level not necessarily a player's level, but it, I mean, it might like I, some of these guys might not be ready for how cold it'll be. So if like all things considered, I still think that probably laying the tenure with the chiefs makes sense, but uh, I'm a little bit worried. The Seahawks also allowing 28 and a half points per game since they're by the last four weeks, 5.9 yards per play. Geno Smith with six turnovers in that time. And now we have Ken Walker banged up and no Tyler Lockett in this one. On the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes, at least 320 yards in eight of his last nine games, the one outlier being the Bengals, who, of course, always stop the Chiefs. Uh, and so I, I would actually think it's an easy cover for the Chiefs if, like you said, Noon, in the past couple of weeks, they're just they're in the time of the year where they're bored. Like, this is what they do every single year. So, like, to, on, to only win their last two games, four points, six points, it's like, okay, well, I, I don't want to lay the 10 points here, even though the Chiefs are the easy side to take. So I'm staying away, but I don't worry about the weather personally, and I don't worry about the Chiefs' offense. Hard to worry about the Chiefs' offense. They haven't given us really any reason to do so. No, dude, they're so they're so good. That was, that was my biggest mistake in fantasy is thinking that Tyreek Hill plus Travis Kelsey's age would like 
regress Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense that have scored on 47% of their a touchdown on 47% of their drives since he became a starter. And uh, it's not. They're actually like the best version of the Patrick Mahomes offense we've ever seen. You have to wonder if, if like maybe Kelsey was being dinged up a little bit more than we knew last season because it was fair to have that thought, I think. I mean, you're taking out Tyreek Hill, and then like it wasn't Kelsey. It was not even the Kelsey that we're seeing this year at the end of last year, right? So like I think there were reasons to feel like there were some concerns and maybe we could be on the wrong side of the age curve. But like they've just kind of – it just – buckshot with the rest of the wide receivers and just throwing it off against the wall and see what hits. And now like everyone's finally healthy. And like, I don't think we feel great about any of them, but like Juju is really kind of who we thought he could be. He's essentially uh, another Kelsey on the other side where he's a chain mover. They have enough guys that they can rotate on the outside to make some big splash plays. And obviously Mahomes is a talent elevator. So it really doesn't matter who those guys are. He can make sure those guys come in and hit the ground running. So. Yeah. It's really interesting how like, you know, Tyreek was almost like a luxury for them to the point where if that another team was kind of able to stop him, like they didn't know what to do if Kelsey wasn't able to get open. And now they like kind of already had that speed bump earlier in the year, you know, like with a couple times where they're like, okay, well, what do we do now? Like who moves the chains, who goes deep? Like, you know, but they figured all that out. So at this point now there's so much more multiple that they have like five, six guys that they can go to on any given play that they feel good about, uh, that it's just like impossible to stop in my mind. So, um, yeah, it is. It's just insane how this is shaking out. And like at this point, like I feel like we were very wrong about the Chiefs coming into the year. And I'm, I'm OK with that because we're seeing just like incredible football. Part of my concerns, too, with the de- defensive side. I mean, I thought the secondary would really struggle. They hadn't been great, but they've been good enough. And Legereus needs uh, a good football player and good enough to kind of slow down your top guy and uh, been able to generate enough of a pass rush to to kind of compete. So um, we could. Go ahead. And, and to be fair to Tyreek Hill, his complaint was that he wasn't getting enough targets after seeing a career high 9.4 per game. And this year he's seeing 10.9 per game. So he was right. He wasn't getting enough targets. He, he was right. That's yeah, working out. So I'm kind of with you like 10 feels like too much, but it's like, it's still to me, Kansas city or nothing here. Uh, I just can't see enough firepower for, the Bay or the uh, Seahawks to just go in there and, and kind of hang, especially without Lockett, who I think really matters. Um, and I do kind of agree with Connor. I would not be surprised if they try to take the air out of the ball and, uh, and slow things down here and, and don't have success and maybe just kind of deflate the play volume and, and stuff just in this entire game. So chiefs are nothing for me, but uh, kind of a stay away for now. And good uh, one. Good one does not replace Tyler Lockett like we don't turn this volume for Lockett into Goodwin's volume Uh, Noah Fant has actually been targeted the second most with Lockett off the field this year but Noah Fant was a DNP on Wednesday I believe so just a lot of touch and go situations here the Seahawks are unfortunately falling apart and they're not going to make the playoffs which is unfair because they should with how well Geno played through the first half of the season but we're definitely going to lose them in the playoff picture yeah uh, and then we also had a question here from Ricky Seahawks under a good look this week on the team total looking at like 19 and a half on the team total. For me, that's just a little bit too low. If you're able to get it over 20, I think that'd be fine. But uh, I think 19 and a half, even given the in- injuries, like the chiefs defense right now, uh, I believe you're looking at 25th against the pass, 18th against the run in DVOA. So, I mean, they've been fine, but I wouldn't say that they're a stout enough unit for me to really feel good about, you know, going under 19 and a half there, because I think 20 would be a solid look. I think if you like Seattle at all this week, you probably 
take their team total over, to be honest, because uh, in any scenario where they're playing competitively, um, the Chiefs are going to score. I mean, Seattle's 31st defensively in DVOA on third and fourth down. You just you can't really compete if you can't get off the field. And no shocker, the Chiefs' offense is the best on third and fourth down. Best offense in the league, uh, but obviously they're best when it matters. And that's really where Seattle struggled this season. So, yeah, I just can't imagine them slowing them down. If they are getting to a spot where they're competitive, that keeps the Chiefs kind of locked in all game. That's a Seattle team total over for me, even if you think the Chiefs are the side here. So uh, be careful with that one especially on the wrong side of 20, even I would, uh, I'd watch it. Um, all right. Next Philly and Dallas. Uh, let's see where we're at here. Obviously lots of movement here. Uh, basically five across the board, uh, four and a half in MGM and FanDuel 47 is the total. Again, FanDuel 47 and a half. They like to stay on brand. This is going to be the noteworthy game of the week regardless, but obviously the Jalen hurts injury and the market fallout on Monday because of it. Uh, it was obviously very interesting to watch hurts. Uh, clearly injured his shoulder in the second half against the Bears, toughed it out like a boss. Uh, but now we have Nick Sirianni playing a bit of cat and mouse here, choosing to not rule him out for this one quite yet. I don't believe that that's the case. Um, I think we're going to see Gardner Minshew here. We also have Dallas, their collapse against Jacksonville, really was a gift to the Eagles. Uh, that game really helped make this one kind of not matter and gives them the flexibility here to, to do really what they want. Um Eagles still very much the favorite to be the top seed in the NFC, regardless of the outcome. Dallas is all but locked in to the five seed and playing on the road against the NFC South winner in the first round, uh, which would be a nice matchup for Dallas as long as they can get healthy. They're kind of beat up in this one as well. They had uh, some injuries to some key players, especially in the defensive side last game. Um, so Dagle let you get kicked off with uh, Minshew Mania for a week, I think. I think the market movement from the Eagles as one and a half point dogs to six point dogs is the worst movement we've seen since Aaron Rodgers was out and the line tilted six points for Jordan Love, who ended up covering that game. We watched that game at your house, Noonan, because that's, that's the game that a couple years ago, Steve Spagnola blitzed one time, saw Jordan Love look at him as if he was in Vietnam and like ran terrified for the rest of it. But one throw a touchdown to Devontae Adams, I believe it was, was all they needed to cover against that bad Chiefs defense. This reminds me of that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, yes, is a number one overall pick previously, went over 300 yards because he's playing lights out since week nine. But you can also attribute his performance to this terrible Cowboys defense that is now suffering an injury cluster. Safety, J. Ron Curse. Middle linebacker, Leighton Vanderesh. Nose tackle, Jonathan Hankins. Two of their three starting corners, and Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis. Like, all these guys are going to be out this upcoming week, and it tells me that Gardner Minshew will have no issue orchestrating just a better team and arguably a better offense right now against the Cowboys. Not to mention Dak Prescott, nine interceptions in his last six games. The Eagles lead the league in interceptions created. So I'm... I think the highest it will get is six points. You said it's around five, five and a half right now, right? I'm I am eating the points and I'm taking the money line because the Eagles are the better team. And once Gardner Minshew wins this game, we have to remove Jalen Hurts from MVP talk. It is no longer him because Minshew wins this game. Put Patrick Mahomes on that board forever at number one. I don't have a problem with that. Can we also remove Nick Sirianni from head, co uh, head coach of the year? I know Connor's we did Sirianni that stuff. eight Stop weeks it. ago. Stop it. He is oh, Nick Sirianni. Did, Nick Sirianni is a lock to win coach of the year, and it is not close. It is a lock. I will put any amount of money that Nick Sirianni wins. The talk of other coaches winning is an absolute joke. He is going to win coach of the year 
far and away. It's not close. Like anytime I see Newton, I know you bet coach of the year. I think that was a good luck. What was it? Dable 36 to one or something like that. It was like, yeah, 28, 30, yeah, 25, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can convince me about anything like 20 to one or higher. I mean, yeah. that's like, you know, that's fine. And I, 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 I agree with you by the way, like, okay. And this is actually going to lock up Nick Sirianni's coach of the year because I agree. Daigle, they're going to win because so I bet I went balls deep on a few things on this news that Jalen Hurts is not going to play. First off, people were like, oh, he practiced in full yesterday. No, he didn't. It was an he's estimated not, practice. That's just like simply not true. He's not playing. Uh, yeah, he's not playing. Gardner Minshew was at Mike Leach's funeral, so he wasn't even there. Like, Gardner Minshew is going to start. We're going to see this line climb up to six, maybe six and a half, but six. Um, I took a bunch of Cowboys two and a half on this news. I'm going to hedge back the other way with Philly plus six because the more I dug into it, Philly's going to run the ball and they're probably going to run the ball well. And then when they have to throw the ball, Minshew's going to have success. Uh, and their defense is still more than good enough to give the Cowboys problems. Uh, you know, all across the board, especially with Jordan Davis coming back, playing better, run defense, uh, like their passive is playing better. Dak has not, you know, really lived up to the hype. He's been turning the ball over too much. So I like the Eagles to maybe not win outright, but definitely cover the six once it gets there. Um, so yeah, and Nick Sirianni will, if they do win, 100% lockup coach of the year. Like without a doubt, he'll be like minus 10,000 after this game. I think Sirianni is, um, I don't think he's the best coach of the year. I think he's going to win coach of the year. Um, is a loaded roster in a Charmin soft schedule. Um, and my only issue, part of the, the hole I was trying to poke was that they were, they closed as the favorite in the division and they are going to do that. And typically coach of the year oftentimes is exceeding expectations. Now you can make the case that 16 and one or whatever comes of this 15 and two is exceeding expectations. And I will join you on that venture. And I am cheering for you to get, cashed out on your great future. So I'm not pulling for you to, to lose your future. I thought that the betting market was off in terms of where the market was post, you know, sun Sunday um, in the, with the way things had been looking and some other outs I thought made. So I thought, again, just kind of getting some money down and some other spots made sense. I, my argument was that Dan Campbell, who literally needs to win out to make the playoffs um, should not have been, by far the second choice in the market, whereas you had like the Brian Dayballs and even Kevin O'Connell's um, like upwards of like 30, 35 plus um, and like they're in the playoffs. Um, so that's why I thought there was a, a, a need to get down on some stuff. I like your Sirianni position. I'd be really surprised if he, if it doesn't win. Yeah. I mean, also too, I think something to consider with what you were saying there, their win total opened up at eight and a half. They were plus 250 in the division when it opened, like they closed as a division favorite, but their winter will still only close like nine and a half. You know, they're going to win 15 games and not to mention beyond that, like this is that they're playing the Washington generals. This the, is the, a, the like, NFC East like is a division in the media space that they're like, Oh, like anyone can win the NFC East. Like, you know, like it's not like, uh, it's not like, uh, Oh, like they're up massive upset or like, you know, they're the heavy favorites. The Eagles are the firepower. Everyone loved the Cowboys. Everyone loved, you know, like, they thought that the commanders, you know, oh, I guess only Dan Snyder thought the commanders could win, but you know what I mean? Like it's the NFC East is very volatile. I thought that I think that he's going to win. Like, I don't even know whatever it is before this game, I'm going to bet it again. And I'm going to bet it again next week at minus 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> just, no, just not. to say that we were here and then we talked about it. I'm not, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just telling you I know that you the are. rest of the market is off. <laughs> and I think these markets are so subjective anyway, which is why I typically, don't dabble in them. Like comeback player of the year is the most ridiculous thing in the oh, world yeah, to me. Shit's... What are you coming back from? It's just so it's just subjective. So um, I don't mess with them. I just felt off comparatively. So um, 
Daigle saying that he thinks Sirianni shouldn't be coach of the year, I think is what he was And saying. that's, fine. that's to, fine. To be fair, though, I, I think all candidates are fraudulent. Uh, if, you to, <laughs> if, you, if you told me well, to pick the award, if yeah. you told me to pick my two this year, it's probably Shanahan, since like he's the one coaching three different quarterbacks to what the Eagles have to lose out, of course. But like if the Eagles were to lose out, then I think you have to strip Vic Sirianni and give it to, give it to Shanahan because then the 49ers would have a chance to be the number one seed in the NFC instead. So, like, I think Shanahan's a good live bet, honestly. And as you mentioned, if the Giants get into the playoffs, it has to be Dable. Like, no other coach, literally, no, not even Shanahan, no other coach would have taken the Giants to the playoffs this year. It's all him. No one else. They can lose this week, and they still have a 71% chance yeah. of making the playoffs. The Giants are going to the playoffs. It should be Dable. Dable's, Dable's done the best. Like Vrabel like last year, Dable has done everything with absolutely nothing. They they might not even re-sign Barkley and Daniel Jones. I'm still convinced. They don't want either player. And did you hear Chris Collinsworth slobbering over his microphone on Sunday night to talk about Brian Dable? I mean, this is this is how this award is measured. Like these are the these are the dudes voting for this award. And it's just like, oh my God. Like, ah, did you say he just loves him? And he's not alone because Dable's right. Like he is doing more with less, more than anyone else. That team is not a playoff team. Um, and I think other guys on the staff deserve credit. Um, the defense isn't good, like, we, but like they're getting it done. And uh, it's very easy to, to have Dayball be, you know, he came in as that, you know, analytics. He was tied to the Bills and all these things. And he's been kind of that dude. And uh, I think that 25, if it's still north of 20, I think is worth a sprinkle uh, for someone that maybe doesn't have a Sirianni ticket wants to hedge their Sirianni ticket. I think Sirianni probably wins. I think Sirianni is a good bet. Obviously chasing and laying Sirianni now comparatively to where Connor was at, you know, preseason uh, is not advised, but uh, I do think Connor wins at the end of the day, but I think that the market was off as we said. So I will be, I will say this now that if, uh, if the, or the Eagles lose out or, you know, whatever Sirianni doesn't win coach of the year, which is basically what it would take for him not to, I will be suing the Chicago Bears and we'll burn the city down. Just, you know, letting that know, uh, you know, because I blame them for injuring fucking Jalen Hurts and driving his shoulder into the ground and getting him hurt. So, you know what? Uh, you know, fuck Chicago. If that happens, you know, enjoy your three win season and we'll be cashing our under five and a half win tickets because a bunch of worthless bums. Can I piggyback the lawsuit? Who hurt Jack Sanborn? Yeah. I mean, that's what I need. That was the same yeah, game. It was just, uh, Criminal enterprise going on in Chicago. Not surprised, but I'm with you guys. I think that uh, Eagles money line is a great look. If we can get to six, man, if we can get to six and a half, um, I think we see some buyback if it starts to happen. Um, this is not touching seven, but uh, yeah, Philly, Philly live. Considering like Daigle lined it out. I mean the the Dallas defensive cluster injuries. I think are maybe not more important than Jalen Hurts, but like man, like they are not representative properly in the line movement. And I think that they needed to be accounted for. And I think sometimes you just see steam and people chasing steam and it creates more steam. And now we get to a spot where actually the fair line is off a little bit because everyone's just trying to chase the Jalen hurt stuff. So uh, sharp of Connor to, to buy back out of that position uh, once it uh, kind of settles a little bit here. So um, quickly, any other looks uh, we have a question in the chat about the, uh, Bears and Bills, if anyone had any thoughts on that one. Another game, obviously, going to be impacted by the cold here in Chicago. It's going to be freezing. This one's dropped down a little bit. Again, it's mostly 8.5 on the Buffalo side. There are 9s out there still, total down to 40.5. 
Um, I don't know if either of you gentlemen want to take the floor and have any Bills, Bears thoughts. I think the Bills are a very nice teaser leg, uh, especially at eight and a half. You can get them back under the seven and under the three. I think the over is an interesting look. I mean, 40 points is like nothing. Like, and, and these teams don't necessarily even need to have success through the air to hit over 40 points. Like, uh, I mean, the Bears run defense is horrible. Like, they sold out to stop the run against the Eagles. And, you know, obviously the Eagles just killed them in the passing game. Uh, I don't imagine that they do that here because the Bills are not quite as much of a threat on the ground. But if they don't do that, I mean, the Bills are going to run all over them. So, you know, they still can run the ball well. It's just not quite the same as the Eagles. So I think we see well over 40 points. So Justin Fields is obviously just an unbelievably dynamic athlete uh, who will continue to find ways to score even with all ads stuck against him. No receivers, no offensive line, and uh, I mean, marginally decent game plan. So uh, I think the over here is a decent look. And Luke Getze and Justin Fields both know he's 207 yards shy of the NFL record for rushing yards by a quarterback. Both of them have talked to the media about the record. I think they're going for it in the next couple of games, which is why I don't think Fields will be benched. And honestly, against a Bills defense in nearly as cold of weather on Saturday night that allowed five explosive carries to the Dolphins. Why can't Justin Fields have over hundred yards? So yeah, I, I do think like, I'm not worried about Justin Fields floor in this game, but I don't have a lean on the total line. Man. So stupid. Why are you running this kid out there? Like he is all you have. Let him have it. What, let him have it. It's fine. He gets there. They have three more games and they're gone for a, for an entire off season. Just let him go for it. I, I, I don't think fun. it's stupid. I'm, I'm cheering for him. Uh, man, I would, I would bubble wrap him and tuck him away, uh, and be very, very, very smart. But, uh, you at least, you at least it's a success for the bears. If only because you know what you have, you know, when you build an offense around him and call it correctly, he's a special player. So we have a coach that figured it out. We have a player, a quarterback that's developing and figured it out. I hope they go like Josh Allen with the bills and that the off season for Allen, that's when they added Stefan Diggs as like the best deep play receiver. I hope the Bears only get deep ball specialists this offseason. Um, who cares about anything underneath? Like Justin Fields only throws deep, only go out and get deep play balls at receivers. That's it. And uh, we'll make it work in 2023. That's what so I said. Noonan disagreed. No, I don't disagree. I don't. Th I think deep ball receivers are smart. I'm saying, because I think you can get some guys that are cheap to do that. Because I agree. Like they like to take a, like deep shots i think just lean into the run bolster the offensive line it's never the right play but if you go ahead and you add a saquon barkley or a dynamic rusher behind him all of a sudden you have the best rushing attack in the league it makes it better for saquon it makes it better for fields you just lean on this and this is your thing and then when you take shots you take shots deep um with whoever else you decided to add you know mooney claypool whatever that is whoever they can add to that mix um, instead of trying to like be someone you're not, bolster the offensive line and the defense, maybe invest in the running game and get a dynamic runner. And all of a sudden, uh, the offense is, is very unique and hard to game plan for. So I, I think that would be an interesting look for the Bears as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be fun. My oh, my worry with that encounter is that they don't have like a good enough defense to do that. So it's like, and it's, it's such a slippery slope that it's like... we For sure. Neither do the Falcons though. And the Falcons have backed their way into the playoffs just by running the ball over and over again and being a very unique team to game plan for because teams aren't used to seeing that. Now you have a better version of Mariota. You have a better version of, you know, Tyler Algier. Um, it becomes a pretty interesting, interesting, unique team. So. That's, that's definitely fair. It's like, my worry is like, they become like Lamar pre when he learned how to pass the ball. It's like, he, can he come back from anything? 
Like they fall down 10 points. Like, what do you do? And the answer was like, try and throw, can't throw. They just are screwed. And then the game's over. I mean, that was like basically the result for a little while, but yeah, like you said, like fields is also a different kind of player. So, you know, he can at least throw the ball deep. Uh, now at this point, it was just, he's ahead of where Lamar was at this point, at least in my opinion. It's more like RG3 to me, right? And you had the, yeah. the RG3 years, like RG3 could chuck that thing deep. Uh, but, you know, he made Alfred Morris a dude um, simply because, you know, the the lanes that you have to cover and account for for a rushing quarterback. So that's an interesting question. I think RG3 is better than Fields, to be honest, at this point. Um, RG3 was awesome, but I mean. He could at least throw the ball. It was one Fields, year. Yeah, that's the thing is Fields, I think, is equipped to handle the load a little bit more. Uh, like he was, RG3 was frail. Yeah, that's um, true. Like yeah. Devonta Smith legs. Yeah. Uh, quickly, any other looks you guys want to uh, capture before we uh, before we take off? I have I have a larger card for this week, so I'll just quickly go in order of confidence. Um, most confident in the Eagles money line bet, and again, I think it's, you can get it at six points. I'm definitely on that. I like the Texans plus five and a half points. I don't know what it's moved to actually with a Malik Willis news. three and a half across the board. Oh, okay. Well, I got it Monday at five and a half. Um, so I, I at least got the EV. But you look at the last month, even with Ryan Tannehill for the Titans, 15 and a half points a game, four consecutive losses. Whereas the Texans are fighting for Lovey Smith, even though the organization is absolutely going to scapegoat him, goat him and fire him at the end of the year. But didn't allow a single offensive touchdown to the Browns three weeks ago, despite losing that game by two scores. We watched that one at your house, Noonan. And in the last two weeks, uh, four point loss to the Cowboys, six point loss to the Chiefs. So, like, honestly, it's not hyperbole. The tight, the Texans are the better team right now. And so I understand Derrick Henry rushed for 200 yards and four consecutive games against Houston. I don't think it matters because Derrick Henry is also playing differently right now. So yes, I like the Texans a lot to cover that game. Um, I bet the 49ers, I laid the seven and a half points against the commanders brought Purdy the past two weeks, leading the league in completion rate under pressure and a small sample. Yes, but he's just playing within the structure of the system. And that's all he needs to do in this game, especially considering Taylor Heineke is 27th completion rate under pressure, 31st in yards per attempt under pressure. You now have this 49ers pass rush that's about to get to him. Um, so I think Washington's playoff hopes basically die this week, traveling cost country against the 49ers. And then I also have, I talked about Dolphins laying the five and a half, five in some cases if you can get it. And the Lions Panthers over for a bar tab. And I think those are my five bets this week. Yeah, that's what I laid. I think the uh, Niners are another great teaser leg, uh, getting it through the yep, seven, through the three. Yeah, great, great look too. If you want to combine that with maybe the Jags, uh, maybe with the Bills, something like that that we talked about uh, earlier. Connor, anything that you want to highlight before we wrap? Honestly, not really. I guess most of the ones were in you know the show that we talked about today with you know the bar tab. I really like the. Uh, I think Bengals minus three is a solid look. Um, I think that the under in the jacksonville uh jets game is interesting uh probably he's played some teasers like you mentioned i thought there's some fantastic teaser legs uh, you just talked about there so like that aspect uh just in general though like this week is absolutely vile uh you know there's like two three games with a total over 48 and a half like nine games of a total of 41 and a half or lower um so i would say this could be an awesome teaser week actually because you're looking at games with lower ranges of outcomes uh and so getting like above the seven wong teasers here are gonna you know break or bust some people but i think it's this is a great week to go back to even though they've, they've been letting us down for most of the year yeah this uh christmas day slate is you know afternoon games of uh denver 
and uh, and the Rams, and then Tampa, and uh, Trey McSorley in the evening is just Don't a watch real. Them. Do not watch them. Real barn burner. So, uh, hey, NBA, watching some NBA basketball instead. So you get a you get a hot Dolphins Packers game to start your day. Turn it off after that one. Do not watch NFL football. Do not promote the product. <laughs> But subscribe to 444.com to keep our jobs. Uh, 444.com slash plans. Promo code next level again through the end of February. Gets you access to everything on the site. All of Daigle and TJ's DFS stuff. All of the bets that we have. Um, articles, tools, etc. So good if stuff as always. Sign up as well. Uh, he is forcing me to do a Christmas Eve morning chat. So we will be there for everyone for the Saturday slate Christmas Eve morning. 1045 a.m. Eastern talking to everyone. There you go. Are the prop boys showing up on Saturday morning? Uh, I don't know. Uh, y'all, y'all don't run a strict corporate like TJ does. No, I don't. Uh, I don't know. We're, we'll we're... see. We'll see. That's a yeah. no. I mean, yeah, 50-50. Yeah. Noonan's a family man. You know, he's got kids to tend to. I have uh, nothing, but I'll be in the I'll be in the Discord regardless. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna start pouring Manhattan's at 10 a.m. Screw everything. <laughs> Yeah, it might be in there. So we can, we'll figure it out. Uh, my wife knows that's still like the clutch time is, you know, pre-main slate. And I told her Sunday this week is Saturday, babe. So, you know, you can we can do whatever you want afternoon. But, uh, you know, pre, pre-lock pre there, we need to you know make sure we're getting uh, the DFS lineups in, getting all the bets in. Because sometimes the tackles don't come out till uh, 90 minutes before when the, the, you know, final injury report comes out. So got to hang for those. So, Good stuff as always, gents. Reminder, uh, we'll be back on Friday for the uh, the prop show, 2 p.m. Eastern on this same channel. Uh, there is a chat, it looks like uh, 12.30 Eastern, week 16 Q&A with John Paulson. Um, if you want to jump in there, get your questions. If you're still grinding in the uh, season-long space, Paulson can uh, help you out there. Dagle's got lots of stuff. You guys still Friday for the DFS show and then Saturday for the chat? Or where's the, when's the um, Friday DFS afternoon. MVP? Friday afternoon. It moved to a time. I don't know what time, honestly. I'm not terrible. It moved to a time on Friday. I think we're going earlier. I can't remember the time, though. I didn't change into my phone, which usually means 24 hours later. I will not remember the time, but I'll be there. Uh, I'll always piece it together. And then we'll be there Saturday morning. So, yes, everything's still happening, including for week 17 and week 18 as well. And the playoffs. We'll, we'll be there for the playoffs, too. Yep, we'll be here for the playoffs as well. Prop show through the playoffs, through the Super Bowl. Uh, reminder for this, the uh, Q&A live stream with Paulson on Friday at 1230 Eastern is for YouTube subscribers only. So you have to be subscribed to our channel to be uh, a part of that. And it looks like we got reports that uh, the DFS MVP is 330 Eastern yeah. on Thank Friday. You, we can update I'm changing phone. my phone right now. We're ready to go. So good stuff as always. For Connor and Dave, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time.